Man, I, um, I, I, I don't have a dog in this fight. Uh, I love Super Bowl type stuff, mostly because I like uh, potato skins. Mm-hmm. This, this is not the big one where I care a whole lot about who wins, but I enjoy Super Bowl festivities. Um, but I do want to make a, a little mention of something that I think this Super Bowl highlights to help us understand the gospel text for today. As you know, we've been talking about Ephesians. Last week, we talked about how chapter one through three talks about God did it. And chapters four through six, we'll be talking about now you go live it. What God did to give you a foundation to understand who God is and then what you are supposed to go do with it happens in chapters four through six. And so uh, I want to bring up a face that is familiar to the Super Bowl scene. Come on with it, Jake. Come on. Uh, no, nah, we ain't giving no gun. We ain't giving no gun. <laughs> this brother right here is Tom Brady. And for many of you, you may know his face. For some of you, you may not. He is a, a, a Super Bowl champion, has won a number of champions. Uh, the the, the, the kind of confetti and that big silver thing with him is him having celebrated a win. And uh, uh, he's not only won once, he's won multiple times. This guy has been somewhat argued as the greatest athlete of all time. A lot of people say greatest football player of all time. But something a little different happened. Hit that next slide for me. When you get uh, uh, when you play in the football league, you get drafted. And when you get drafted, it is all of the hard work, all of the energy, all of the time and effort that you've put in. You go into a system and now the coaching staff, the owners select you. As much as you might have some arrogance and swag about yourself, for the most part, you are a broke college student. So anybody choosing you gets you excited. And so a choice happens where usually on this grand stage, the number one pick is celebrated. Number two pick celebrated so much joy. Number three, do do you want to know what number Tom Brady was selected as? He was selected as 199. Go to that next slide, Jake. That's what he got. No, no big celebrations. No people holding up your jersey. This brother got a cardboard piece of paper that said, Brady, 199, written in pencil. But, but he was chosen. But he was chosen by a team and he went on to do great things. As we jump into Ephesians today, our focus is going to be on God's people being chosen. If you can, please, there's a Bible near your knees. If not there, uh, you can look right up on the screen with me. We are in Ephesians chapter one. And we're going to start and read verses three through six. Ephesians chapter one, a book from 
Paul, but inspired by God, chapter one, verses three through six. And it says, blessed be God, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Christ, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In the beloved. Verse three, blessed be the father, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. You got Paul giving us this context of what does it mean to be a solid Christian? Well, first, you got to understand God, the father blesses you. But oftentimes we kind of misconstrue what blessing is. Blessing can oftentimes be seen as financial favor. Or blessings can be seen as physical health. But right here, we're we're starting off blessing as being something that's very different. Blessing actually is a spiritual matter. It happens as we are in Christ. But a spiritual blessing is not situational or temporal. You see, a, a, a manifestation of a blessing that's financial can be up today, down tomorrow. Health can be up today. Come on. Down tomorrow. My little man up front said, and down tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Somebody in here, come on. But, but a spiritual blessing is, is forever, lasts forever, is continual, is not dependent upon situation. And so he goes, Paul goes through the next chap, next verses, and he lays out three things. We're only covering number one today. Each week we will knock out two and three. But this week he covers chosen. These three things happen to you. You are chosen as a believer. You are redeemed as a believer and you are sealed as a believer. That's what it means to be blessed. It's not financial. It's not uh, um, health and wealth. It's not all these things. Those things are good. Praise the Lord indeed. But it is being chosen by God, redeemed by God and sealed by God. So today we're looking at what it means to be chosen. Look at look with me at verse four. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. My family and I, as many of you know, are in the process of adoption and uh, The adoption process has taught me a lot of things. It has also helped me to understand the beauty of God's grace and God's care and sovereignty. I've seen in the adoption process, though, some very clear understandings of power. In in, in the adoption process, 
we had to make a book. And the book uh, is like a, um, what's those things, like mixed book or um, those little uh, books that'll have like pictures of your family in it. I was about to say a yearbook, but that ain't true. Scrapbook, help me now, help me. Y'all all see me struggling. So it's like a scrapbook of our family. And what happens is our caseworker chooses different scrapbooks to take before the mother and father who are willing to offer up their child for adoption. So the caseworker has a lot of power because in that moment she gets to choose or he gets to choose which five do I take of the maybe 20 families waiting. The judge who will at some point ratify this whole process has a lot of power in being able to say, I will see that everything's in order. And I'll certify or seal or cement that this family can now be fully responsible for this child. Judge has a lot of power. Even we have power because it hasn't happened yet. But someday they will call us and say, here's the situation, Leon and Rebecca. Are you interested? Are you willing? But you know who has no power? Absolutely no say the child the, the 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 child the one who's being adopted the one who's being brought into a new family the one who's going to be cared for the one who all these services are working together in tandem to love and support has no power it's, it's, it's why we see this word adoption connected to our faith, because as believers, you and I are powerless. And this loving God says, you. You. I chose you. Before the world was created, I chose you. Before the stars were hung, I chose you. Before... You started lining up that cute goatee. I chose you. Now, this is a concept and a topic that is very difficult for us as men and us as women and us as humanity. Being chosen is a very difficult topic. And I want to I want to step back for a second and do a little bit of education before I come back to theology. If, if you could begin to just see, there are a ton of denominations out there. There's a, roll with me, Jake, and I'm just, just you'll just see them up here. There are millions of Calvinists, uh, Lutherans, uh, Catholics, you got uh, Baptists, um, Methodists. We're talking about millions and millions of people. Anabaptists, the Mennonites, uh, keep going, I think we got one more. Uh, Vineyard, Anglican, all these different people in denominations. I bring that up because each denomination has a slightly different bent by how they understand this topic of being chosen. Being chosen. 
And, and it's important because, one, you're in a non-denominational church, which means we, repar- we welcome people who have a variety of understandings on this concept. We have an understanding ourselves of where we think, uh, how we ex- see this expressed in Scripture, but we want you to know you are welcomed. You are welcomed. But for every one of those denominations... There's a group of theologians or Christian thinkers who have wrestled with this and they all kind of have come to where they land and sometimes they don't agree. But there is a spectrum, a spectrum that's based on salvation that says who chooses? Is it God that chooses? Is it God that predestines? Is he the one that chooses man? Or do you choose? Do, do you choose God? Do you somehow just wake up with the strength and, and, and choose God? And so you'll see denominations kind of all along this different spectrum. And the goal of this is to show you the variance. It's not to actually place each denomination exactly where they line up. So don't you have your Lutheran friends ready to jump me after church, all right? Like we, you know, we more God chose man than that. You know, like, all right, that ain't the goal. The goal is to show you there's variance, okay? But, but within and 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 here's some of the reason why there's variance because our passage today communicates absolutely no power of man. Which I'm going to let the cat out the bag a little bit, which I which I believe communicates no power of man. But there's also biblical scriptures that support man having a will. And so when you look at the the the, the mantle kind of scripture of Joshua 24, 15, where it says, um, uh, and it is evil in your eyes to serve. Uh, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve, right? That's been in grandmama kitchen from, for about 75 years, you know what I'm saying? Chicken grease and everything, all up on that thing, you know? Or John 7, 17, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority, so, so you can see there's, there's some, some tension in how to fully understand this choosing. And I want to let you know where we at, 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 at Mac land, we are far more closer to the God chose man end of the spectrum. And the reason why uh, uh, this will be a struggle for many of you, because your mind wants to say all or nothing. Your mind wants to say there's no gradation in the middle. Either man did it all or God did it all. And, and I am okay with seeing scriptures that seemingly conflict, but don't at all. Don't at all. We, we have an expression of this that happens fully, right? We say Jesus is fully man. We also say he's fully God. And, and what happens is we try to like have a, a cool little explanation of it for how it breaks. But really, 
it's a seeming contradiction that you just got to say, my mind can't really compute that. But because I know God's word is true, I will be okay with not being able to fully explain it, but yet fully own it. I fully believe it. But if I try to break down the Trinity to you in every aspect, especially if you don't know Jesus, you're going to look at me kind of. What'd you say? Three and one. And, and so the reason why I am not as extreme or as I communicate some of our posture as Mac, while we are not as extremely on one end is because oftentimes those people who are on the extreme side of God chose man end up being the type of people that are like, well, if God chooses and I have no power, I don't need to do anything. Why do evangelism? God chose. Why do missions? God chooses. Why share my faith? If I go or not, God will make it happen. And so some of the extremes of what it looks like on the God chose man side can lead us to really a a, a lackadaisical living out of the faith. But on the other end, when you look at man choosing God, some of the some of the 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 the, the struggles with that theology is that we have a, a, a broken man making eternal decisions. We have a, a, a broken humanity making eternal decisions to the point where we can begin to know better than God. And so and so extremes on both ends uh, uh, can lead towards the expression of faith that I think sometimes can deny the power of the other end of the spectrum. And so I want to let scripture unpack for us why we are where we are. Turn with me to first Corinthians chapter one. We're going to look at verses 25 through 31. I know that sounds like a lot of verses, but we're going, we're going to get through it quick. First Corinthians chapter one, verses 25 through 31. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, the, 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 the issue with man choosing, man selecting, and I, and I love the way kind of Tim Keller breaks this down. 
at some point, you got you to gotta reduce it to an answer. If I say you chose, or if you say you chose, and I say, why? Why did you choose? Some point, you have to have a reason. Why did you choose? Well, what? Because I was strong enough to know this was right. Because I was smart enough, because I was sad enough, because I was in need. Like what, what trait becomes the good trait as the marker for you choosing a holy God? And, and what, what God is communicating here is that no matter what that trait is, even on your best day, you will have the potential to boast in it. You might say, why did I come to faith? Well, I came to faith just because I was, I was, I was humble. And somebody else would come like, I came to faith <laughs> because I was humble, you know? No, no matter what it is, even on your brokest moment, it has the potential for being a tool that you would use in our arrogance as a means of boasting. And so Jesus does two things. He says, first, I'm going to eliminate from you even the opportunity for you to be boastful. Because I know your brokenness. I know, I know that it's there. I know your potential for joy, peace, love, and I also know your potential for destruction. So I'm going to eliminate your opportunity to be boastful. But you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to use this principle to flip the world upside down. Because, see, I choose what the world might say is foolish. That trait that you might have thought would be something great to use as a boastful thing, actually the thing you would never boast in, I might go ahead and choose that. I might choose to grab you at rock bottom. All family, all friends have looked at you as you are no longer even worth our time or energy. And I'll take you and do something with you. I might choose to grab you at your highest point when you have all power, all money, all influence. And I'm going to grab your heart. And now you act in ways totally different than the way you used to. No longer are you controlling and demanding. Now you're a servant. Not hanging in those same crews anymore, huh? This God who says, I don't want you to be boasting in anything, but actually I'm going to shame the world and allow the world to see that what I choose is a beautiful representation of me using all things to bring my name glory, even if you would have never picked it. I'm that. I'm that type of God. But I but I. I I love that some great Christian thinkers and and I will say that we err definitely on the God chose man side of things. That is where we err. And and 
a lot of the thoughts about this flow from some of our more reformed thinking type people. But but just to welcome you into the craziness of this, one of the the kind of deep writers is a man named John Calvin, and he's performed or created some systems of thinking that help us understand the gospel. But on on this topic, uh, he wrote a, a, a few things that basically, let me give you a couple of his quotes. He says, um, oh man, I got out of, okay, he says that, uh, if anyone with carefree assurance breaks into this place, he will not succeed in satisfying his curiosity and will enter a labyrinth from which he can find no exit. <laughs> kind of crazy. you like, Pastor, what are you talking about? This man is saying, look, if you try to just break down how much ownership man has in walking, living out their life for God and how much ownership God has, you're going to be in this crazy spiritual mindset of, of just amaze because you just keep un, uncovering things of, but God did it, but yet that doesn't mean I just get to live my life however I want to. I still got responsibility. I still even haven't been chosen, need to respond with faith. And, but he gave me the faith. But how can he give me the faith? I'm supposed to live out the faith. And before you know it, your mind is going crazy. And I love that one of the deepest thinkers in the world said, be careful. Be careful as you try to figure out God. Be careful as you try to make every little structure that you may have made, man, even your denominational structure, be careful as you try to make it all fit nice and neat. Another one of his quotes said, uh, but the allurements readily seize the unweary and then they are drawn more and more deeply into the labyrinth. The outcome is that when each one is pleased by his own opinions, there is no end of disputing. Let this then be our short way out to be satisfied with the mirror and its dimness until we see him face to face. Be okay with some of the apparent confliction, even though there isn't one. Be okay with saying, no, 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 this God totally chose us, totally chose me so that I wouldn't be able to boast at all and so that he could shame the world, flip the world on its head. But yet he calls me to live it out. And I don't know how all this works together fully, but I'm not going to abandon, abandon his choosing. And I'm going to tell you why we abandon it. It's because we all have at some point been in elementary school. You know, in elementary school, you was a child, and as a child, there came that, that recess period where everybody went outside, and that's when it happened. We started to have kickball. And in kickball or soccer or whatever that game was, tag, whatever, we started to say, you get chosen for this team. You get chosen for that team. And when you on that wall waiting to be chosen, woo, ain't nothing like it. Come on and choose me. I'm feeling like the bachelor right now. Just let me get that rose, you know, come on. And then they call your name and you be like, yeah, you know, you just want your name called. 
You just want your name called. That's that's that. that I, I can't remember the first time I had that desire just to be selected, just to be picked, just to be chosen. And then I looked over. And I saw one of my friends wasn't chosen. That's why we want to change our theology. That's why we want to abandon what these scriptures say. We look at that person who might be hurting and say, well, none of this could be true. Because at times we felt what it looks like. We felt that pain. We felt the hurt of not being chosen. And so then what we want to do is explain away why God wouldn't do it. We want to explain away the reality of some not chosen. We want to create a world where everyone gets chosen. And it's just not spiritually accurate. What we can say, though, is that the onus of who gets chosen is not on us. Can we start there by the one who does the choosing is not on us. But I will say that one, two of the ways that helps me wrestle with, that helps us understand the the pain, because it is indeed a pain. I think that if you are a loving Christian, a person who loves God, you do look and see that person not chosen and it should hurt. You should long for them to be chosen. And so the Two ways that I believe the gospel helps us deal with that pain is, number one, their story is not over. Their story is not over. That's why I believe evangelism, missions, living out the gospel, neighboring, doing life in proximity, living near one another, picking up kids to come to church, helping out friends when they need some help, showing love, doing Bible studies, doing youth group. That's why we believe all these things are really important because we don't know if you're going to come to faith at age 11 or age 88. We don't know. And so we don't write their story because we've seen the history, because we've seen the narrative. If that was the case, how many of us would not be here? I, will, I, I, I say it too often because it's been too real in my life, but I, I can't help but keep saying it because I'm still blown away by God's grace to me talking about years of not a birthday card from my dad, years of not even seeing my dad, years of brokenness. And now because he because he loves the Lord, calls me like every Sunday. I just want to say, hey, and tell my tell my children I love them. Tell tell my grandkids to send me a picture. I'm, I'm it's it's overwhelming. Why? Not because of me, not because I share my faith, not because da 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 da. Because for some reason, all this brokenness that happened through our life, it happened. But for some reason, there was a moment where God says, and now I choose you. And I don't want us to get weary in still trusting that God can choose even the most broken even the most broken. But I also want us to be able to say, God, what does it look like 
for me to be an intellectual, one who depends and wants to understand your word. But what it looks like for me to trust maybe an aspect of you that I can't understand. That's tough for us. That's tough for us not to know the answer. Lord, why do you choose some and don't choose others? Even as your pastor standing here, I don't know the answer to that. But I trust that, that, that whatever that answer is, it doesn't rewrite the scriptures. It doesn't make the scriptures null and void. It, doesn't, it is an answer that I don't fully know. But I can still say, but God, you are good. You are loving. And you are trying to do all things so that your name can, this world, and so all things you can create, have created, Lord, will glorify you. So even something that, that I can't fully explain, somehow, Lord, is bringing your name glory. And so, family, we, we get the joy. We get the opportunity. There was a season where... Uh, uh, they were printing out these Tom Brady shirts. Go to that, that, that uh, 199 slide, Jake. And it was these shirts that just said 199 on them. It, it, it's crazy that a number that seemed that far off, that crazy, that low, that foolish of a pick would now be one that people are celebrating. And identifying with. Do you know that that's how God sees you? He sees you as an opportunity to tell his story. And I don't care, baby, if you pick number three or pick number three hundred million and forty five. He will use you. Use you. And he chose you. So now live out of being chosen because we're going to have a Super Bowl party that's going to be, man, look, what we about to do in heaven is taking everything to the next level. I'm talking about Cheetos for days, y'all. Come on. But we're, we're, we're building towards a grand celebration. What's that next one look like, Jake? A grand celebration that is, puts, makes the Super Bowl look like nothing. We will get to forever sing out the praises of our king in unison as a people. Women, men, Asian, Indian, black, white, all together celebrating our king. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful that, that he chose us. I'm thankful that it's not by our own power, not by our own strength. If today, as we are discussing these things, as we're celebrating things, as we're pondering these things, if you are asking the question, Lord, have you chose me? Lord, I think you would choose me, but, but I got this thing, or I got this mess. Again, you don't understand being chosen. Because none of us have been chosen because of what we bring to the table. We've been chosen because a holy God saw fit to verse three, make us holy and blameless. 
We can't do that. We don't have the power to make ourselves holy and blameless. But out of his love for his glory, he chooses us and makes us holy and blameless. If you are a person that's asking that question, Lord, why haven't you chose me? Oh, that's a great question to ask. Because it means that you desire to be chosen. We would love to walk with you through that. We would love to talk with you through that. But I would also encourage you to ask the question, Lord, would you choose me? Lord, would you choose me? Would you allow me to be a part of your family that gets to celebrate you and be made holy and blameless, not by their power, but by your power alone. If that's the case, I would love for you to come up front and talk with me after service. We are here to support you, walk with you, and help you understand the beautiful salvation that Jesus offers. Let us pray. Father, today can be the first day. But today also can be a day where, we, where you plant a seed in us. One where you challenge those who love you to say, am I living like I'm chosen? Am I living a, 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 a life that would reflect being holy and blameless? But then, Lord, for those who don't know you, who don't see you as king, Lord, I pray that that today a seed would be planted that would lead them to ask, God, would you choose me? Because I believe, Father, you are faithful to respond. Guide our body that we might live for you in a way that brings your name glory. We'll give you all the praise for, for, for picking a bunch, of, a bunch of folks that are uh, the world would deem as foolish. And we will be sure to boast in you and you alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.